we're in this same lifeboat and we need to keep all bailing at the same time because we're almost overloaded. And so let's just keep bailing together and it will be just fine. And if there's anybody that falls out of the boat, we help them back in the boat and welcome them with joy. I I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, I had a conversation with the postman. Yeah? He said he rang the neighbor's bell to deliver a package. The door opened, and it was an eight-year-old kid with a cigar in his mouth and a glass of whiskey in his hand. What? The postman asked, are your parents home? The kid looks at him and says, does it look like it? Oh, my God. (laughs) Did he deliver the mail? (laughs) Yes. He gave me a small, hard-to-open envelope. The new grapevines are here! (laughs) (laughs) Those envelopes are hard to get open. (laughs) Use your teeth. (laughs) The new issue is a good one. It's all on the topic of home groups. As Bill W., our founder, boldly wrote after he was rocketed into the fourth dimension. Wah, 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 wah. (laughs) To watch loneliness vanish. To see a fellowship grow up about you. To have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. Wait, are you sure that wasn't P.T. Barnum? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don, I think you're over-caffeinated today. <laughs> Maybe a touch. <laughs> In the story, 80 Years and Counting, a New Jersey group has been going strong since 1942 with dances, picnics, alcathons, and more. 1942? Wow. The group name is Kearney Sunday Night. Live easy, but think first. <laughs> I love it. I think they need to figure out how to put think upside down in their name, though. What do you think? (laughs) It looks like on the photo with the article on page 16, I think it's a photo of the meeting room. And man, oh man, that lectern is a classic. It's massive. It seems to be on wheels. It's stained like a dark walnut, maybe. The thing has gravity. It's got Two decorated panels on the front of it. The top one has the old triangle in a circle logo. And the bottom one has in great big applied letters that are stained slightly lighter color. It's partially obscured by a chair, but you can see the first part of it. It seems to say Kearney Sunday night. It's an impressive one, yeah. (laughs) And so it doesn't actually have the other part, live easy, but think That's on the wall somewhere in the room, right? Must be. But man, that lectern, I would love to speak behind that thing, man. You know, (laughs) people will listen if you're standing behind that thing. What's the most unusual lectern you've ever seen? Let's see. It was one that I spoke behind. I I was in a clubhouse many, many years ago. I swear they they must have, it was either built or they bought it from a church. Because this was massive. It puts the one you're talking about in this issue, it it makes it minuscule. It was massive. And I swear I went up five steps to get to the platform that it was on. 
I really, I was a little uncomfortable up there. It really felt like, all right, let's go, Preacher Sam. <laughs> Did your voice automatically ring out with an echo, 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 echo? echo, echo. <laughs> and, and I started falling into a certain cadence, and it's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I spoke behind one. I went to a meeting, and they said, uh, you're new. It was a town I hadn't visited to before, so immediately they asked me to speak. Uh, so I went up, and it was like a two by four that had been nailed to a little piece of plywood and the top of it cut in an angle and had a little piece of plywood nailed to the top of it about the size of the grapevine magazine. It was a tiny little thing and you can't hide behind the two. There's no hiding behind that one. And it, I mean, it does kind of give you a sense of security standing behind one of those things, right? (laughs) Not this one. You know, Don, there's actually another beloved podium photo for the article 10,000 Stories. Yeah. His meeting closed and he saved the old podium to refinish it while leaving the coffee cup stains and cigarette burns in place. His sponsor always gave him the advice to pee and pray before standing behind the podium. (laughs) That's good advice and practical advice. So what's the difference between a podium and a lectern? Are they different? I'm so glad you asked, Don. <laughs> I looked it up. Podium and lectern are nouns that are similar, but there is a slight distinction between the two. Podium is a noun meaning a platform for a person to stand on to be seen by an audience. Lectern is a noun meaning a stand for holding a book or papers for a speaker. Well, I then I spoke one time behind a lectern slash podium. It had a step that you pulled out from the lectern, and then you could step up on the step, and it became a podium. Oh. <laughs> well, I think everybody needs to tune into our new podcast that's coming out weekly with Sam and Don. Podium pontification. Ooh, y'all, that one's just done. (laughs) (laughs) Come join us for some podium talk. (laughs) Who's our guest today? Don, today's guest is Taylor the Sailor, the author of Lost and Found in Central America. His story is on page 26 of the May 2023 issue. He's a merchant marine, a world traveler whose sponsor said, walk into every new meeting as if it were your home group. Smile, shake hands, tell them who you are. Some meetings may need you more than you need them. Ooh, that's some deep sponsor advice there. That's good stuff. That's some good stuff. Hey, Don, how can I support the Grapevine podcast? Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even on our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? If you want to support the podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store. Hi, I'm Taylor the Sailor. I'm uh, living here in Soggy Bottom, Washington. Actually, it's Longview. And uh, my sobriety date is December the 27th, 1978. I didn't uh, actually get, I got sober then, but I attended my first meeting in 1971. And that sponsor that I mentioned, after about a year of 
in and out and in and out and in and out, took me aside and he said, kid, this AA on the installment plan, it's not working for you and it's not working for me. He said, maybe you need to be convinced that you're an alcoholic. And I thought I should report him to somebody, but I didn't know who. <laughs> I took my sponsor at his word and I commenced to drink it. When I came in in 1971, I was a quasi-intellectual. I didn't want any of this God stuff, especially steps two and three. I had had enough of doing confessions, and I didn't want to do any more fourth steps or fifth steps. And it is surprising, as my sponsor also said, he said, if this God business drives you out of AA, hopefully the booze will drive you back in. And that's exactly what happened to me, because I came back in 1978. I didn't care if God was a purple people eater. I wanted what you had in AA because I knew it worked. Yeah, I, I had to get to the place where I wanted to quit drinking and I was willing to do it someone else's way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And for me, I went to my first meeting when I was like 18 years old and I didn't come back until I was 32. I knew at 18 that I wasn't drinking right, but I hadn't had enough consequences yet. The consequences built up and drove me back in. When I came back in that morning that I came to on that first sober morning, I was in government housing. I was in the Coast Guard. And I went down the basement and I took my wife down there and I said, can we get on our knees? And I said, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't even know if there's God, but I'm willing to do anything. Even those steps, I'll do them. And uh, the obsession has never overtaken me. There's been times when I came close, but I did what I did that first time. I said, God, please remove this obsession. And that obsession disappeared. And so I think it has to do with me being willing to go to any lengths. And the hoops are very, very large. If I'm willing... The hoops are very large, so yeah. They certainly are. You know, we're not going to talk a whole lot about your story, but I do want to touch on it a little bit. I got to travel the world as well for several years. I did ultimately what I called AA tourism. I was going to AA meetings everywhere I went because I loved it. And then the time came that I needed an AA meeting. And thankfully, I had been going to all these meetings all along, so it was easy to go when I needed to, even though I was on the other side of the planet. Absolutely. I, now that COVID is easing off, it's wonderful to be able to go to meetings again in different places, little obscure towns that have a meeting. And, you know, there's four people and it's once a week. And God, they love to have a, somebody new and a different story. It's just delightful to come in and make friends, go out and have coffee afterwards and become part of the family. It's, I have friends all over the world that I've met in AA. Taylor, are you still traveling? No. Um, my wife died. I wound up moving back to Longview, Washington. I'm retired. I'm going to go to Mexico here later this year. I want to try some AA meetings in Mexico. I know just enough Spanish to get by. Wow. So um, I'm still poking around. So what was going on with you that made you willing that last time to go to an AA meeting. How did you get to the place where you said, I, I can't take it. I'm going to do what they say. Those meetings that I attended, I, I looked at those people and I watched them and I saw that they were doing what they were saying and they were able to stay sober through, through their actions, doing the steps, going to meetings, having a home group, all those things. And I wanted that. And I was also convinced that if I didn't find it, I was going to die a terrible, painful death. I had a identical twin brother who did die a terrible alcoholic death. So I was very convinced. Well, and so your brother's death occurred before you got sober. Actually, he was dying when I got sober. And he died later. 
but I could see where it was going. Okay. We got into other things which are even more serious than alcohol. I didn't. Well, that's a really close to home example, for lack of a better word, of where your life can go. You know, my family tree is very interesting. On my father's side, we can go, trace it back to the 16th century. On my mother's side, we go back two generations, it starts to get very murky. And there's only one reason that it's so murky, and that's because of alcoholism. What was the biggest obstacle to you coming into AA? When I was eight years old, when I took that first drink, I had a spiritual experience. That's why it's called spirits. Alcohol is called spirits. That saying by Carl Jung, spiritus contra spiritus. I was not going to let go that somehow, some way, I was going to enjoy and control drinking until I was absolutely convinced. Alcohol became the great persuader. It beat me into a state of malleability. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to go. But it was, it was even then, it was a leap of faith. And I leaped in because you people, Alcoholics Anonymous, had showed me and I didn't have to worry about the God who. Taylor, in 1978, when you came back into the rooms, were you sailing at that point or were you with one particular home group for a while? I was actually with one home group, but I was in the Coast Guard and I was on 20-minute recall every day. We were immediate response unit. So they would allow me to go to a meeting with a pager. And I might be in a meeting and it would go off very loudly and I would jump up and run out the meeting. I just barely had 20 minutes to get there to get on the boat. <laughs> that was a long group because my first service job was come early and build a fire in the wood stove and heat that room up. And I felt so honored that they would trust this drunk to not burn the building down. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you were able to stay with a home group and get stability and get to know people and be known in that group. How long did that last before you first went to a meeting somewhere else? That was about a year. And then actually I went to work with my sponsor on a yacht and we went to Alaska. And so we started checking out all the meetings in Alaska. He'd been a lot of times, so he, he knew where to go and knew everybody. So I got to go to meetings all over Alaska. Then I went into tugs and ships and everything else, and I was on my own. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways to find meetings. You know, the, the old directories were wonderful. I, I carried around a Western directory and carried around the Loners International with all the phone numbers and pages and, you know, call those people, and they were wonderful. And Describe that directory. I've never heard of this, the Loners International. Western Eastern AA directory. And they were just state by state, city by city, uh, name of the group, and then a contact. John B. at 503, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then the days and times that they met. It was kind of hit and miss because they could never keep it quite up to date. Sometimes you'd call and there wouldn't be anybody there. We went to a meeting in a big city with a directory and, and a cab took us. And we got there. And it was just a vacant lot. And the cabbie said, where do you guys want to go? And we all piped up. We want to go to AA meeting. And he turned the meter off and took us to a meeting clear across town <laughs> and didn't charge us. He was a member of Gamblers Anonymous. I love that. My <laughs> first experience when I started working with the group that had me traveling internationally, my first trip was to uh, Portland, Oregon, staying overnight in a hotel. And I looked up where the meetings are and I called my cab to go to a meeting and he recognized the address and he's like, oh, I know where you're going. I'll join you. What a cool experience. Yeah. I was in the Grand Canyon, stayed there for about two weeks and I had to get to a meeting. I found a bulletin board that said there was a meeting in cabin 12, friends of Bill. So I drove around and found cabin 12 and there was about three or four guys standing outside and they had red plastic cups. But so that looked right. It looked like people standing around outside of a meeting, but something looked a little off about them. 
so I rolled down the window and said, are you friends of Bill W? And one of them wheeled around and said, who the f*** is Bill W? <laughs> so I go, okay, I don't think this is still an A. These are not my people. <laughs> you can have some times traveling and going to meetings. Now it's easier because we have the, the meeting guide app and the internet. It's just uh, so much yeah. easier than it used to be. Taylor, in my travels, there were occasions that I did go to a meeting and found that it was gone. One of the coolest things that I experienced out of that, though, was just the attempt to go to the meeting was enough. Hmm. I found that intention is everything. When I did my first four step, I was not capable of being thoroughly honest. I was capable of attempting to be thoroughly honest, and I was as honest as I could be. Mm -hmm. My intention was pure, and I believe I was given grace by whatever it is. And after doing the fifth step and then reflecting in the sixth step, I felt that energy of a higher power coming into my life. I've had to do a lot more 10 steps, step six and seven steps as I went along because it was like, like mud geysers and sulfurous mess that would bloop up every now and then. But God is saying, bloop, you want to take a look at this? Not what a visual. That's a fantastic analogy. <laughs> Just, okay. A little bit later. Bloop. Yeah. You know, and uh, then I would see, oh, it's starting to get active. I need to take a look at that. One of the things that I get uncomfortable about when people say, God will not give you more than you can handle. God will give me no more than I will grab. Be willing to let go. Be willing to turn things over. There's a lot of stuff that I found, especially since my yeah. wife died. Get down on your knees and give it to God. You know, and that's a long stretch for me to be sitting here and telling you give it to God because uh, when I came in, I'd had to go, <clears throat> God. Yeah. Or I would say G-D in the uh, Hasidic Jewish tradition. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the grace by being willing. And then Zoom. What I, I thought about this. One day here in Longview, we had a meeting with all the meetings. There was seven meetings in one room. What to do if they close us down? And everybody was, how do we clean and this and that and that. The next day, the governor said, forget about it. There will be no meetings. We're closing all meetings. No churches, nothing. Panic. And I don't know what possessed me, but I got on the New York Intergroup website, mm -hmm. and there was it all laid out, yes. Zoom meetings. And I just took it, and I said, we got meetings, people. And it was really scary, because what do we do with a newcomer? We can't meet him. And for a while, I was sponsoring one guy, and we sat 10 feet apart at the church on their steps outside. Mm-hmm. But I got a Zoom baby, and he lived 600 miles away. Can we do this? Yes. I felt like it was not possible to help someone stay sober long distance yeah. over the internet, and I was wrong. Well, uh, the forward to the second edition, I believe, of the big book, it says, and AA found it was possible to help people get sober, I'm misquoting this, through the U.S. mail. Yeah, it's about willingness and willing to go to any length. Absolutely is. And the fourth edition forward is talking modem to modem as being one of those <laughs> options. Sure enough. Yes. Taylor, the way you talk about your experience with the word God when you came in is similar to mine. You've had a bit of time in these rooms now. Uh, you've sponsored some people. Have you helped them get past the word God? Well, the one thing is I had to read the... Uh, First paragraph in the 12 by 12, step three. Also go to spiritual experience, Herbert Spencer. That quote, there is a principle which is a bar against all information which cannot 
fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. Contempt prior to investigation. I came into a meeting when I was brand new and there was a lovely old lady there and they had all those quotes they have on the walls. Let go and let God. Think, think, think. And I asked the group, I said, where did you people get those? In the Campbell soup pan? <laughs> that nice lady took me aside after the meeting and showed me that quote by Herbert Spencer. And it saved my life because I was contempt before investigation. I'd already made my mind up. And so I really started looking at it. An Episcopal priest helped me too. These hoops are very large and that Christ on the cross had doubt. So who do you think you are? Hmm. Helping people like that and just say, keep an open mind. It's really important to talk about contempt prior to investigation, because when I came into the rooms, I thought, okay, well, I've, I've had 32 years of life on this planet, and I've experienced a lot of religion in that time. My investigation has already occurred, so it's okay for me to have this contempt. <laughs> Except you couldn't quit drinking. <laughs> well, there's that. But that wasn't really true. Mm -hmm. I had had some experiences with religion over the years. But when I came in and I finally just put the God word aside and let it be a shortcut for whatever it is, that allowed investigation to happen and for me to have an experience that helped me no longer drink. And a book that is not AA approved, but we used a lot was Emmett Fox's Sermon on the Mount. I think that helped a lot of alcoholics get over that. And a lot of my problem was not the God business. It was the hypocrisy that I felt. And I was confusing humankind with G-D, and they're two different things. Spirituality and religion are related, but they're not the same thing. And Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program, not a religious program. What does that mean to you? It means that whatever works for you, whatever your concept, I go to a meeting, I look, and there's 20 people, and I can guarantee you there's going to be 20 different definitions of a higher power. Mm -hmm. It's broad and inclusive. That's one of the most wonderful things about Alcoholics Anonymous is how broad and inclusive it is. You know, there's room for, there's a wrench for every nut. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I tell people, if, if we go to a meeting and they're going to say the Lord's Prayer and you're uncomfortable, just step outside the circle and put your heart behind your back and just bow your head in respect for the group. You don't have to participate and you're not excluded. You're okay. Just step back if that's the problem. I too had that contempt before investigation. and. The thing was, in coming into AA and being willing to ask a higher power I didn't believe in for help, and then hang around in meetings and talking to my sponsor day by day and see that this was working, that I was staying sober, then I wasn't being asked to believe in something I didn't believe in. I was now being asked to believe in something that was actually happening to me. So it's kind of an experiment that worked. It's just been such a wonderful adventure of uncovering and discovering and discarding and surrendering over and over and over again. How has your concept changed? Mine has developed into boundlessness. And I really connect when I'm in the outdoors and going to sea all those years. And I, most of the time I stood the 12 to 6 watch and being out there in the middle of that ocean, you see things that... It makes it very difficult to deny there is something greater than me that's in charge of this. In my experience, this last winter with all this weather and we're watching how us humans are powerless and just keep being you know, very open minded about it. I've done a lot of research into Buddhism and I became a, actually a, a Buddhist 22 years ago. They are uh, 
very inclusive. And it doesn't matter what you believe. You're accepted. It's very much like Alcoholics Anonymous. The two of them dovetail together quite well. Taylor, you, you said your wife died. You know, I've had some great losses in my life, and I've had some times of incredible fear. Times of real emotional pain. How do you use a program when you're like I was, where I was going to meetings and I was like, well, I don't believe any of this. I don't want anything to do with this. But I was unwilling to not go because I know that it's always, no matter what, if I go to meetings, ask God to keep me sober, whether I want to or not, that I'll stay sober. It's the way it's worked for me. Yet, emotionally, I just wanted to run out of the place. So how do you deal with when you're in the valley of despair? <laughs> My wife really wanted to get out of the rain when I retired. So we moved to Nevada. Six months later, she passed away. We'd been married 45 years. She had 35 years of sobriety. We were like interwoven together. We were very connected. And it was just ripped out of me. And I was in a brain fog. And just and I had to go back to what I had used when I was brand new and sober. I had to get on my knees and say, God, I cannot handle this. I'm not capable of doing this. Please help me. And, and, and energy come and leave it. I also let my sponsors, especially my fairly new Zoom babies, know. Because they said, well, you're, now you have pneumonia included. We shouldn't be bothering you. I says, oh, no. I need you more today than you need me. We're going to turn this around. I need you to call me every day and check on me. And you know, there's nothing like when I get out of myself, I get connected to my higher power. Because that self falls away. And that power of a greater myself comes into my life. When I make the room by letting go of Taylor, they helped immensely. My sponsor at the time, he would call me every morning at five, wake me up, and he'd get me breathing because I was supposed to breathe. Okay, get up. Oh, wow. Let's breathe. No, let's breathe. Because I, I had to learn how to breathe again. Sponsorship and working with people and being connected. And uh, I Zoomed all over the United States and Ireland. <laughs> Taylor, we always like to ask our guests, is there anything that you'd like to share that you didn't get to talk about? One story that I just remember. My sponsor and I were in Alaska and we'd come back from the meeting. Our boat was anchored out, so we had a small boat. And we went by this boat that was tilted over. There was a lady hanging on the side. We pulled her out, and this is Alaska. And she's really, really drunk. And she's scared to death of the police. We find out where her island is. So we put her in our boat and take her and her washing machine and her boat out to her island, put her up in the uh, cabin, build a fire, left some uh, AA literature in the schedule. I never thought of her again. The next year I was working someplace else. My sponsor was at that same meeting we'd been to a year later. And there's a beautiful girl speaking, telling the story of when the AA angels saved her life. And at the end of the meeting, my friend Cal, he said, Hi, I'm Cal, and I'm one of those AA angels. Oh, wow. Man, oh, man. How dare you make my eyes tear up right now? That That's fantastic. Yeah, that was a, just a wonderful experience. Taylor, this has been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
It's time for listener feedback. Hey folks, we want to hear your comments. Call 212-870-3418 or write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org. And now we have an email from Rob W. Subject podcast content. Good morning. I have been an active listener to the podcast since the beginning and have listened to all the episodes to date. I love your personalities and humor you bring to the podcast. Definitely not glum. You are both fantastic interviewers as well. My only criticism would be using the podcast to stump for active items in the conference agenda, the plain language book. I've heard a few podcasts critiquing the language of the original book and expressing need for the plain language book. Thanks for your time and consideration, Rob W. Thanks for writing, Rob. We understand your concern and, in fact, have canceled conversations we wanted to have about topics because they were agenda items for the upcoming General Service Conference. However, the plain and simple language translation of the big book has been previously approved and is underway. I quoted from a progress report provided to the fellowship from my delegate, which I think is appropriate. The Grapevine is a forum for everyone in the fellowship. We appreciate hearing your point of view. Thanks for writing in, Rob. You can give a gift subscription of Grapevine or Lavinia. Grapevine has a long waiting list of incarcerated members who want one. Get your group, district, area, or AA friends to join in. It's easy. Go to aagrapevine.org and look for Carry the Message at the top of the site. I'm at the very wit's end. I'm your sponsor, and I haven't heard from you in over a month. Don't you know that alcoholism requires daily work on your program? What's your excuse? I was just doing what you told me. What are you talking about? I told you to keep in touch. You told me to work the steps every day and to avoid people who irritate me. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.